Good morning, everybody, and welcome to the King's Church podcast. I'm Jill Jackson, and we've had some absolutely gorgeous weather recently. And it reminds me of when I was a little girl and used to play in my grandparents' garden in the south. But we moved north when I was about four years old. But we went back for all our long summer holidays and Easter holidays. And the first thing my gran would say to us as we tumbled out the car was, wow, how you've grown. And I want to say that about my guest this morning. Wow, how you've grown. I think he's probably about the same weight and height as he was when I first met him. But in all other ways, wow, how he's grown as a person, as a man, and as who he is in God. Welcome to the studio, Andrew Bunt. Thank you very much. I'm pleased to hear you think I'm still the same weight I was 10 years ago. I don't. That might be true, I don't know. <laughs> Haircut's very trendy. That's, <laughs> that's changed and the glasses Let's have wait changed. On the head. But no, you look the same. I'm sure you're the same height and weight. So for people who probably don't know you, Andrew, although some listeners at King's Church, the name will be very familiar because you're a friend of King's Church. When did you first come to King's Church and what were you doing? I was first here in, I think it was 2010, September 2010, I moved up. So it was quite a long time ago, more than 10 years we've known it, Shimmer Jill, yeah. I came, so I was um, 18 at that point, and I came to do a year, a kind of a gap year volunteering for the church. It used to be called Impact, sometimes these days it's called ID in various churches. And so it was a year of... Yeah, serving the church and having kind of training and just opportunity to get to know how does church work and explore different things that I wanted to see if God had kind of gifted me in. And it was such a great year, such a privilege. I was particularly alongside um, Mike Springer, who was one of the elders at that point. Yeah. Did kind of a lot of youth work, was involved in some of the community projects, the cafe. We redid the website and started doing some teaching and stuff. And it was such a significant year for me and kind of knitted my heart to dial into the church as well, which is why I was around for a while and still come back sometimes. Yeah, which is which is great. Yeah. yeah. Um, does that project still exist? You know, if people are taking a gap year. Does that exist? I know in a different form now. That's right. It does still exist. Yeah, it has different names depending on where in the country you are, right. which part of the different days you're in. Yeah, so sometimes it's still called Impact. Often it's called ID, Intentional Discipleship. But yeah, a lot of churches will still offer some sort of year out program, particularly well suited for kind of people just before uni age, 18 or just after kind of uni age. But actually sometimes people do it at other points in life as well. And it's both uh, you do stuff in local church, but also you do training. Often at the moment that's in Cambridge. I'm involved in teaching on that sometimes. I think it's a really great thing for people to do. It is. Yeah, Yeah. really, really good. And from there you went on to Durham University, where you got a very good degree, as I know. And then... You went down and went in King's King's London and took up a job with a church in Hastings, Mm. which had been your home church. Can you tell us what you were doing in Hastings? Yeah, so I I initially when I went back, I was studying part-time in London with the church part-time. My role was kind of half general leadership, so I was invited kind of onto the senior leadership team of the church, which is a real privilege and just got to learn so much from working alongside different people there. A big part of my role was running one of the children's groups. So it was the um, ages 7 to 11, doing the stuff for that each Sunday. And we'd also do kind of family praise parties and stuff a few times a year, which I really loved. I've always enjoyed working with kids. And I love just getting the privilege to teach the Bible and try and make the Bible digestible to um, young people in that way as well. So it's a really great couple of years doing those kind of things. That's your passion, isn't it? Yeah. Actually yeah. teaching the Bible. And I will never forget your washing line sermon. <laughs> I think that, I mean, that's just, you know, embedded and ingrained in there. And it's a mark of how good you are as a teacher 
that people remember these things, <laughs> you know, and t- still talk about them. Oh. And you continue to teach mm. and research things. And I think that's the sort of, it led to a book when you were here, Who in mm. Heaven's Name Do You Think You yeah. Are? Which you wrote alongside your degree and everything, Andrew, which was truly remarkable. <laughs> All crazy. Yeah. What was that book about? So that book was about um, our identity in Christ and who God says we are as Christians. So it flowed out of a, a preach series we'd done here at King's, looking just at key truths about who we yeah. are, each one kind of being a you are this, you are that. Um, that you are adopted, you are justified, you are, uh, what do we do, a witness, all kind of different things. And a very um, biblical basis to <coughs> it. Absolutely, yeah. yeah. It's kind of what's the New Testament teaching about who we now are in Christ. And I was involved in that series, in particular doing some stuff for kind of the small groups, the midweek groups, to use in the back of that and Jonathan Lloyd one of the elders at the time said to me you've done all this work why not kind of do something with it which became in the end yeah this um, yeah. this book which is still available and still has a small trickle of sales and I I hope it's a kind of helpful yeah just it's just get into the Bible I think it is it's say. something people I have heard um, go back to yeah. quite a lot and people use it in groups as well so they're kind of group study guides and actually it's a great thing for us to learn together and explore open the Bible together what is the Bible saying it's meant to be written in such a way and with these guys that's a very doable thing with the yeah certainly we'd used it in the home group i was in just because the resources are there Mm. for somebody to use which is great i know you're a published author with two other books so can you tell me about your second one? Yeah, so the second one um, is called People Not Pronouns, Reflections on Transgender Experience. Came out in 2021, I think, was a lockdown project in some ways, actually. Um, so I've been teaching for a few years on the kind of topic of transgender, questions around gender, what does someone do, how do we understand the experience where someone's body and their internal sense of self seem to clash over whether they're a man or a woman or neither or somewhere in between. I kind of just have been teaching that a bit, noting there's not a lot of Christian resources and noting actually the resources that were available seem to be a bit imbalanced. And I thought actually there were three elements that were needed to give a truly rounded Christian reflection on the reality of trans experience. And so People Not Pronouns is a very short booklet, it's only kind of 10,000 words, but it's my attempt to give a, a first stop for a Christian trying to think biblically right. uh, and with God's heart about this topic and also trying to challenge us to have yeah, a rounded reflection upon and response to and not veer into just one connection, one area or one element or way of thinking about this, but actually to make sure we have all the elements God will want us to think about and care about. I think that is the really hard thing at the moment. Mm. I think there's also, from from ob- just observation of talking to people, there's a generational split about these yeah. things, that younger people seem to accept the whole you know, transgender thing, but actually older people are finding it very hard to understand. Mm. And people are held up by the idea of pronouns why would somebody want to be called they so you say this is a book with a more rounded view in what way is it more rounded andrew so i talk about three elements of a christian response to trans experience and i think all of them are needed to really capture kind of the fullness of god's truth and god's heart so they are a heart response firstly which is that thing of you're saying of noticing the person behind the debates behind the pronouns and recognising that so often there really is very genuine suffering and distress linked up with this. And thinking, yeah, what's sure. it like for our hearts to respond like Jesus' heart? Jesus in the gospel sees distress and suffering. We're told he's deeply moved. Actually, how do we respond in the same way? 
it's kind of a, a challenge I wanted to lay down because doing the kind of work I do, I hear stories from people around the UK church and sometimes people have had really bad experiences, even in recent years in well-respected churches and thought, actually, you know, we need to challenge our heart oh, attitude towards people. And then I talk about a, a head response, so kind of how do we think about it? And particular thing, if someone's experiencing this kind of disconnect, this incongruence between what their body says about whether they're a man or a woman and how they feel themselves to be, how do we kind of process that in our thinking? What does God's truth say about that? Yeah. Who is someone in that circumstance? And often that's where kind of Christians end. But I think that's incomplete because actually if, as I think the scriptures would teach us, our bodies reveal who we are. And so for some people, they've got might live with this sense of discomfort, even though God's calling them to um, stick with in a sense of what their body says rather than go what they feel inside. Often it's just kind of left at that and there's not much practical yes, hope or help hope. given to people. Yeah. So my final thing is a hope response of actually what do we have uniquely as Christians in the word of God and through the gift of God's son to help people walk through what could be lifelong discomfort and suffering and to manage yeah. that. And it's really just a reflection on actually recognizing we are well resourced as God's people both to navigate suffering and help others to do the same. And I think that's something we uniquely have to give to people who might be experiencing distress around their gender because the world's answers actually aren't really working. And actually, have we got a better story? And I think that's often overlooked, actually. Of It's very well saying the no, in a sense, but what's God's yes? What's the hope God brings that's in? That's very that helpful. Really key. That's really helpful, actually. Because I think navigating our way through this is actually a minefield at the moment. Yeah, yeah. And when you stick your head above the parapet as a Christian and write a book like mm. that you can have you had criticism from any other sources for that not on, on that one not not hugely not particularly I mean sometimes online but we all know there's all kind of stuff said online you know I think I think generally speaking people appreciate when Christians are I guess show a humility in how they do these things what yeah. I try to do a recognition of real life people behind it so I think often people's objection isn't actually on the intellectual side. It is the it's sense of... It's on how they're yeah, received how as it, people. Yeah, it's how it's, how it's done, whether people are treated as people. And if actually, even if we have theological convictions from the scriptures that people disagree with, I think actually we can... The way we convey them makes a big difference actually to how people respond I to us. I totally agree with you. And so, so I think and wonder and hope that one of the reasons it has been fairly well received, I think, and has not had too much pushback is that fact that I've tried to do it the in that way. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I've, I've got some experience kind of gender questioning in my own life, so I share some of that as well. And I think actually yeah. as much as we can, using story to um, partner with God's truth as a way of communicating God's truth is very helpful for, for kind of winning people over or just communicating in a way that people can respect even if they don't agree. Yeah, fabulous. That's really helpful, actually. Um, and you've also written another book. I mean, you are busy. <laughs> I mean, you're, you're 29 now, you're 30. I'm so 31 now. You're 31 yeah. now. But three books under your belt uh, and a busy working life. Yeah. So third book. Third book uh, came out last November, November 2022. It's called Finding Your Best Identity, a short Christian introduction to identity, sexuality and gender. And this, so this this flowed out of my own my own life experience. We mentioned I wrote a book um, 10 years ago about identity, biblical truths about who we are. Yes. And then in my mid-20s, I had a fairly, or a number of fairly major kind of mental health um, uh, meltdowns, I would put it, which led me into Christian counselling and had a whole load of stuff to work through, including actually a whole load of stuff around identity. And what I realised in that kind of process and journey was 
intellectually i knew all the answers of who god says we are as his people yes you know i taught it i'd written it i could have reeled it off to you but i wasn't really experiencing that and actually the controlling narrative of my life wasn't the truth that i'm a child of god and i'm loved and accepted delight in myself actually i realized through counseling the controlling narrative of my life at that time was i was a freak and a weirdo and i had this really poor self-image i didn't really believe anyone liked me or loved me i didn't really i think believe god liked me or loved me I had to work through why that wasn't such like and work through what does it look like actually to take the stuff I know intellectually and actually try and have experience and it, live it in my heart. And, and part of actually was thinking about how identity works. So not just kind of knowing who I am, but think about well, how is our, as I put it, our controlling sense of self, what we believe about ourselves deep down on such a deep level, it inevitably has impacts in our life. Yeah. It's controlling. How does that happen? And so what this book does actually explore before asking the question, who am I, explores the question, how do I find who I am? In a sense, identity formation. Right. And pointing out lots of us are getting our sense of self, actually without realising it, from the wrong place, not from what God says. And so for many of us, we get our sense of self from what other people think of us. Other people yes. evaluate us against some unspoken criteria, and we think we do well or bad, and that gives us our sense of self. And that is what had happened to me. That actually, I thought people evaluated me against the criteria for being normal, and I fell short. So I genuinely thought, obviously, everyone thinks I'm a freak and a weirdo, and I absorbed that as my sense of self. Or sometimes, actually, we get our sense of self from looking inside of ourselves, our feelings and our desires. And that's what our culture tells us to do. So it might be around gender, it might be around sexuality. People tell us to look inside ourselves and that's who you really are. Neither of those, actually, though, are good life-giving ways of finding identity. Actually, identity is meant to be received from God. God tells us who we are and we receive that. So the book basically is tracing that thing of how do we find who we are and how God-giving identity is the better way of doing identity. And they're saying, if that's the case, how does that give us a better foundation through which to wrestle with these life experiences of sexuality and gender, both of which have been big questions in my own life? And then I finally look a chapter, which is, how do we do this thing of not just knowing our identity, but actually experiencing and it living in it. our hearts? It were, yeah, the kind of There's a side. big distance between your head and your heart. Yes. In yes. reality, it's very small, centimetres, but actually Absolutely. knowing things in your heart and living them out yeah. It's hard and you have to go back and back and back to it yeah. and tell yourself the truth sometimes. Yeah. That's what I've learned. It uh, has to be a proactive thing and it has to be an ongoing thing. Actually, um, it's not that you do it once and then it's done. Actually, it's walking out day after day to help ourselves experience the truth. Certainly, that's how I feel about life yeah. too. That telling myself daily and just sometimes battling yeah. daily yeah. is just... And I also think it's a choice. Mm-hmm. You ha- We have a choice and... It's like you're yeah. choosing the right things every day. Yeah, that's great. So you're, you've got a different role. I'm not going to call it a job because people like to be called roles these days, <laughs> apparently. So you've got a different role now. You were working with a church in Hastings, but you've moved on from that. Yep. And you're doing some emerging something. <laughs> It's all this modern jargon. So can you tell me what, what your title is? Yeah, so Let my, me get it right. Yes, my title is Emerging Generations Director. Emerging Generations Director. My colleagues are very jealous. And who do you work for? <laughs> I work for Living Out. Living Out? Yep. A UK-based charity that helps people, churches and society talk about faith and sexuality. Right. It's one I've not heard of. Oh. Are you based in the South? We are based all over the place. Um, are you, there right? Are, yeah, a smallish staff team and spread right across the UK. Yeah. And so is your remit for the whole of the UK? Yeah, really. And we kind of, 
Yeah, where UK, well, registered charity in England, we particularly focus in the UK, but because the online world have influence across the world and sometimes are in mainland Europe or over in the States as well. Occasionally there's a bit of travelling happens across across seas. So what do you actually do, <laughs> Andrew? So it's so a reason organisation are all about particularly resourcing Christians to understand what the Bible says on sexuality particularly, but also kind of gender and identity. To not just understand it, but see its goodness and live it out and to help others. Hence to, living to out. Exactly. Ah, You've got it. Okay, You've got I've it. Got it's it. all about yeah, living out the goodness of God's word right, on these okay, topics. Got you. Various ways in which we do that. And the things that I'm involved in particularly are we're two halves. One is we have a website, livingout.org, which is a, a big free resource library full of all sorts of different types of resources on these questions around Christian faith and sexuality, identity, gender. And we kind of really want that to become the go-to place for anyone who's got questions around the Christian faith and these topics. And it's a pretty big library these days. I think most questions someone might have, you'd find something on that website that would help you. It's all kind of free. So I'm one of the editors for that and kind of do a lot of the writing and contributing to that and our podcasts and different things like that. Yeah, we'll make sure we reference that on, Excellent, on our you on our um, King's Church website and also the books that you've written because I think mm. people would be interested. Um, so that role, are you working alongside um, other colleagues or you're very much um, sort of by yourself in the daily stuff that you do? Very, we're a team, as I said, spread across the UK. Yeah. So don't see each other in person an awful lot, although we do get to at some staff days and events, but right. work quite closely as well, actually. It's a lovely team to work on. For all of us, these questions of faith and sexuality have been personal in our own lives. And so we're kind of working from that, that space of bringing both our own stories and the Word of God together into play. And uh, yeah, have lots of, have really good friendship and lots of contact with each other. Today, I'll be traveling up to Newcastle for an event there tomorrow. One of my colleagues will be with me for that event tomorrow. So we'll spend some time together tonight. It'll be really lovely. And um, yeah, it's lovely. As with all things in life, to do it in team is a great, a great Fabulous. Yeah. yeah. And do you work in universities amongst you, young people too? Yeah, a bit. So yeah, yeah. Students is kind of one of the areas of my, yeah. my remit. So yeah, so I and also my colleagues have done some stuff with um, Christian unions and universities Fabulous. and uh, Mission Week. So this earlier this year, I was in Durham for the CU Mission Week. Oh, um, Doing one yeah. of their the kind of apologetic lunchtime sessions. It's really great to be with them. And also some stuff, we do some stuff with UCCF, which is the kind of um, yeah. uh, organisation that equips Christian unions in universities. So later this year, um, September, I'll be there, kind of national conference, doing various sessions to train up various teams that, that they have. Um, so yeah, really trying to partner. Just aware that for all under 25s, these topics of sexuality and gender identity are so prominent. They're huge. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely huge. For any of the younger generation. Definitely. Yeah, brilliant. So you were very much um, continued academic study and did at Cambridge. Have you continued any of that? Not, um, not formally. In a formal yeah, sense, yeah. I, okay. I, I love learning. People yes. always think I'm a big reader. I'm not a big reader, but I'm a big learner. I love learning, so I read to learn in a sense. Yeah. Um, I, I always toy with the idea of going back into academia. In many ways, it's very kind of appealing and it could well be something I do um in the future but the work i currently do because i do yeah quite a lot of writing both for uh, living out and the website but also books and stuff um always in a sense allows me to keep engaging my kind of thinking thinking ways i like to do and thinking about new things and finding new ways new ways to communicate it 
I often get asked to be out to do the kind of the pieces that are engaging with different viewpoints and to kind of analytically think through those. And I really enjoy doing that. So, so not in academia, but still using, I think, quite still a lot of those skills. The, yeah, which, excellent. Which That's yeah. really good to know. Um, where's your home church now? Home church now is um, Bexhill. So as you said, I was in Hastings and then the neighbouring seaside town, even smaller Hastings, is called Bexhill. And we planted a congregation there about six years ago, I guess. So I was on staff at that point with the church, moved to be a part of the leadership of that. And it's still there. So it's a very kind of sleepy seaside retirement place, but a nice place to be. And the church, we gather kind of around, around about 120 across ages, currently meeting in a sixth form college. And a lovely sense of real community, actually, in that church family as well. Where were you great. planted from, Andrew? From Hastings. So from from Hastings. Yeah, yeah. So um, we're two excellent. congregations of the same church at the moment. Lovely. And I presume they really support you when, yeah. you, when you go when you've got time to be back there. Yeah, which is a lovely thing. Yeah, I make sure that I am there sometimes. The risk of a role like mine is uh, you end up away all the time. But I try and be home for, the aim is always two Sundays a month at least. And I preach there a bit of stuff as well and do some leadership stuff still. Um, yeah, and it's lovely to be in a church that knows me well, loves me, supports me while I'm off doing I think that's essential when you're yeah. um, sort of out and about all over the country yeah, and also dealing with the issues that you're dealing with yeah. because there's a lot in the press that's critical of Christians over these issues mm. without looking into it really um what do you do to relax Andrew oh uh, well I love music yeah so I play the piano <coughs> that's my afternoon end of a work day I'll sit down play the piano for half an hour unwind I joined the choir this year I'm really Excellent. really enjoying yeah yeah um, and I go to the gym a couple of times a week. I'm not serious about the gym at all, but most of my life is spent sitting either at a desk or on a train or in a car to get so somewhere. You're to just be, doing it. So to, doing something yeah. physical is really good for me, basically. Yeah, so I do enjoy excellent. that. Yeah. So the choir you've joined is it musicals? No, as much as I love musical theatre, it's not musicals. It's fairly early music, kind of medieval and baroque stuff, generally Ooh. speaking. A bit of other stuff as well. Um, but yeah, very right very up enjoyable. my street. Yeah, yeah, you'd like it. Yeah, I would do definitely. <laughs> So he used to be a very big musical fan when he was here. Phantom of the Opera, Chess, all the Andrew Lloyd Webbers. Not the real musicals that (laughs) I liked. What would you have this debate? Well, I like the Oklahoma, Singing in the Rain, this sort of thing. Uh, And you like the Andrew Lloyd Webber one. Yeah, and and others, yeah. Oklahoma is on London at the moment. It's meant to be a very good production. Yes, so I heard. Yeah. Anyway, I let's don't. now go on to that. Topic. I digress. Let's not. Let's not carried away arguing about musicals. Um, so you're on. You up here at the moment. Mm. We just pinched some time, precious <laughs> time from you, which is good to know. When are you back in the northeast? After this, oh, um, I don't know. I <laughs> my diary is very full. And I'm never very good at remembering what is coming up. I don't know the top of my head, but I will be. Yeah. But I might be holidaying here later in the year, actually. I do know that much. Um, so if nothing else then... But and do you have any opportunities at King's to preach? King's here? Yes. I do this very Sunday. That's what I... To. Oh, sorry. That's what I thought, Andrew. <laughs> I presume this would come out after that. Uh, um, oh, it might do, I suppose. <laughs> Didn't think about I've that. been and gone, sorry. He's been and gone, so you'll have heard him by this time. Um, can you let us know what you're preaching about? Yeah, so I'm going to be preaching on the topic of identity. So a lot of the key themes kind of from the Finding Your Best oh, Identity excellent. book that I mentioned. This thing of how do we find who we are, but then opening up Ephesians 2 with the wonderful good news of who we now are if we are a follower of Jesus. That's excellent. It'll be good to hear you again. We're looking forward to it. Yeah. 
Well, thank you very much for giving up your valuable time this morning. My um, I'd love to pray for you, um, if that was okay with thank you. you yeah. yeah. Father, I thank you for Andrew and the man he is in you. And I thank you, Lord, for his own keen sense of his identity. And Father, thank you that he daily offers himself to you and lives out who he is in you. Father, I just pray for him in all the way he travels about the country and in the brilliance of his writing, Lord, that you will use these resources amongst youngsters for your good. Father, thank you that we have a strong Christian voice talking to the generations and talking to, giving just another narrative, as Andrew would say. That's the Christian narrative on these subjects. Father, it gives me hope that the emerging generations will still march to your tune and not the world's. Thank you for him, Lord, and bless his week's holiday. Amen.